Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yeah, we got a title sponsor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, that gives momentum to this balloon party. We're hot now. A lot of people took the the under on the life expectancy, including us. Yeah, look at them now. Yep, I lost money on it. It was the Pete Rose of radio <laughs> prognostication. Uh, welcome in. It's 101 ESPN. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. Standing across from me is Action Jackson. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. And uh, what a program we have for you today. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford going to join us coming up at 10.15. Uh, and then we have the Little Piddles Friday Six Shooter. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, I don't know what, what else could wind up happening on the show today. Yesterday it was just chock full of surprises. So why don't we go right to the Six Shooter right out of the gate? Let's see how right. timely it is. I don't look at it because I don't I, feel, I don't want to cheat. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, today's Six Shooter, it's, you know, I'm pretty bullish on it. I think it's... Uh, I'm picking it's, up a read of weakness, by the way. I think he's got eights, and I think I've, I've a strong couple of bets... One pre on a three bet, and then one on the flop, and I think I take it down. I, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I have seven five, and it's got value if a six comes off. But otherwise, it's 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 just going to take it down because I'm going to represent strength pre flop. Thank you for that, because that got let me time to open up the six shooter. Yep. There we go. That's just that's just how we work in tandem. No, it's exciting chemistry. First bullet. If you could add one player to this current Blues team that was traded or signed away in the last five years, who would you add? David Perron. David Perron, not Tage Thompson, younger, very oh, prolific. Okay, well, I, I guess I wasn't thinking in that direction. Well, yeah, Th- then that, that that's my first answer was terrible. <laughs> I, was I, just... I want to blame you somehow, but I got to take accountability, <laughs> and that that's really off the brand of this show, so I'm uncomfortable with it, and I demand we move on. All right. Terrible job by you. Yeah, that's my fault. Thank you. Uh, second bullet. Who on the Cardinals do you anticipate making a big jump forward this season? Who do you think might take a step back? Paul Goldschmidt stepped back, and that isn't necessarily because I think he's going to be bad. It's just because he is coming off of a career year, and logic would dictate, based on age, that that is inevitable. So follow the reasoning before you rage. But feel free to rage because it'll provide entertaining texts. And then step forward. I mean, can we say Jordan Walker? Because he's going yeah. from zero to whatever. I mean, sure. Jordan Walker sure. would be my answer. Yeah. I, I, I like, I feel like right now I'm giving obvious answers, even though I gave David Perron instead of Tage Thompson. Hmm. I think that the uh, – I like the call on Paul Goldschmidt, not based on I think he's going to have a bad year, but he had such a good year last year. That's going to be tough to follow that up. Uh, I'm going to cheat and put two people down for my step forward. Uh, Lars Newbar. 
I'm buying into Wow. It. This Lars Newt bar has become a polarizing figure for Cardinal fans. I know. I, just, I think the second half numbers and all of the sabermetrics lead you to believe that he's going to be a good player. And I think there's a reason that a bunch of teams, that when trades were talked about, Lars Newt bar was part of those talks. So well, Because I, they all see the same analytics. It's like when Daily Fantasy guys put together the same rosters on Sunday, they're looking at the same numbers. So, right, that, I, that what, would, that, so yeah, if you buy into that part of it, then yes, that's that's what the numbers would tell you. Yeah. And where there's smoke, there's fire, in my opinion. And then uh, Jack Flaherty. I think that he's been in such a... With well, injuries, I hope you're right on that. With injuries, I think that he returns. Maybe not to that second half of 2019, but... Yeah, that would be... That would be incredible. I mean, young caliber. Right. But I think he makes a big step forward this year and kind of solidifies himself as a really, really, really solid pitcher in Major League Baseball. We'll do wonderful things for a team other than St. Louis. Well, we'll see. We'll have to see. Is that right? No, I will not be taking any bets. Nope, no bets will be taken on that one. Uh, Third bullet. Now that we have a good sample size of Dennis Gates' coaching style, what is one thing that you would like, or what's one thing you do like about his coaching style and one thing you dislike about it? Uh, I will respectfully, and I do mean respectfully, I'm not being a smartass for the first time in my career, uh, I disagree on having a big sample size. What did you say? You didn't say big. A good, a good Good. sample size. I just don't think, because how many good teams have they played? And I realize now we're good's going to get into subjective. How many tournament teams have the 2022-2023 Missouri Tigers played, in your opinion? Uh, th- four. I'll go uh, UCF will probably get in there, Illinois, mm-hmm. Arkansas, and Texas A&M. Okay. You, oh, you got Kentucky on the outside looking in. Yeah, they lost South Carolina. No, I, I, I understand, but I think that that just saying that even a week ago might have been surprising. I yeah. realize the South Carolina thing happened, you know, this week. But with that said, that to me doesn't constitute. And on top of it, what's their record in those? They're two and two. Yeah. So now I am high on him. I was high on him preseason. That was just based on the manner with which he conducted himself. Um, and a belief that this is more of like a pinkle style of an operation. I realize, of course, you're talking about different sports. But um, with that said, it still is early in the game. Sure. And a couple of the wins that had people super excited don't look as good as they did in the moment. Yeah. And that being Illinois and Kentucky. Yeah. Illinois will look good at the end of the year. I think so, too. And so I want to make it clear, I'm high on him. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when people are super high on a team or a player and it's local and then a host or a writer doesn't rise up with the same hype then it's portrayed as oh he's not or she is not high on him and that's not where I am I'm just it, my analogy would be although I think this doesn't necessarily work is how Missouri fans got into the LSU win in 2020 in football and that was definitely not the same that, that LSU team yeah. is a once in a lifetime kind of team I think with Burrow, Jefferson, and Chase, and they weren't on the field in Furrow Field at, uh, in October 2020. So with all of that said, um, yeah, to answer your question, I'm high on him. And what I, one of the things I love is he calls a timeout, and it's not necessarily to psychologically yeah. stop momentum. It's to call a play, which sounds so basic, but they do. And then they execute it. Yeah. Another thing, this is a little thing, but I notice this every time. It seems like within a minute of the, of the the end of the first half, he'll call a timeout and set up what the game plan is for the final 60 seconds or 45 seconds. Have you noticed that? I'm sure oh, yeah. you have because oh, yeah. you're living and dying with every play. 2.30 tomorrow, Gainesville, Florida. And 
that I think is important because I really do think there's value, not just in basketball, actually. I think you can see it in the NHL, and I think you see it in college football and the NFL. If you can get a point, whether it be a basket, goal, touchdown, field goal, whatever it is, right before that really can either stop momentum or carry momentum over into the next half, or in the case of hockey, in the next period. And I really think there's value for it. Uh, The goal that didn't win the Stanley Cup for the Blues was O'Reilly's to start Game 7. After Bennington and the Blues withstood that rush, it was Petrangelo's because it came right before, and it was kind of a self-inflicted wound, Marchand and the chain, uh, the failed change. And so that that the Bruins had to go into the period intermission going, oh, my God, what in the world? one nothing's a different world than 2 nothing, And I love that he does that. And then, on top of that, They'll gather on the floor. Do you notice that? I'm oh, sure yeah. you do. I'm asking these things every, every time. Free throw. Before every free throw they have. I love that he says that he's got the confidence to not just like say these platitudes of that's on me, that's on me. Now, he specifically said when Missouri got it to four against A&M two nights ago, he should have called the timeout yeah. to reset his team's psyche that we no longer have to go balls to the wall here. Yeah. We don't have to be aggressive defensively, nor do we have to be firing up threes anymore. It's a four-point game. This thing, we can go back to what our game plan was when we started this game, and he regrets not calling a timeout to convey that to his team. And I actually think there's a chance they win the game if he does call that timeout. Good for him that early in his career in Columbia that he's confident saying that kind of stuff. So he checks so many boxes for me and a lot of the things that I felt have been lacking with the last few Missouri coaches. Now, I'm sure you're going to get what do I not like? Honestly, I don't I I don't, I can't really think of anything. Sure. Uh one thing I really like is that he's not afraid to have stranger combinations of players and he'll play three-point guards at a time if he thinks that's the best. Mm-hmm. Against Wichita State, he did not put Kobe Brown in overtime because Sean East was playing better. And that's an all-SEC preseason player and he didn't put him in. They won, so I like that. One thing I dislike, I guess, is uh, half-court offense sometimes takes a little too long to develop. I wish he would get going faster. The team is really good at being fast and I think they need more discipline on perimeter closeouts. Uh, the fourth bullet. Here we go. Uh, I'm not. This is not the reason why this technical was given, but Travis Ford was served a pair of texts versus George Mason. I'm not saying this is why, but do you like the idea of a coach sometimes getting into it with a, an official to kind of fire their team up? Do you like that move? We see it a lot in baseball, uh, sometimes see it in basketball, sometimes see it in hockey, but baseball, I'd say, is the biggest one. Yes, because I believe it does play a role in working at times. So yeah. strategically, my answer to that is yes. Uh, I'm a big believer in momentum, so I'm the same way. I think that sometimes it can really fire a team up. Other times... You're missing your coach's strategy at that time, so it's a give and take. And then the final bullet. Here we go. Uh, I thought that was number four. Oh no, I'm sorry. That we have that, this is five. Do we have a Matt Holiday question, in, or can I insert into the six shooter? Please. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I didn't. I, I, I didn't know if it was in the six shooter. It was not. I have a more. Uh, a, okay. A, right, 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 I don't want. I don't want to write. There's so much momentum with this six shooter. <laughs> Thank you. Of all the NFL playoff teams, all 14 teams, mm-hmm. who do you think will have the brightest next five seasons? Who who are you high on for wow. the future? Now I f- wish I would have looked into the six shooter. <sighs> Jackson, what's your answer? And buys me time. Uh, I'm going to say the Jags. I think Doug Peterson at the oh, helm. Really? And Trevor Lawrence. Trevor here. Lawrence has looked really good. Um, I have more money to work with in London. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I just I think that uh, with a young quarterback and a good head coach, a Super Bowl winning head coach, I like that. That's a, that's a legitimate answer. I like I do like that answer. I'm, I'm rattling off teams in my head. I feel like the chalky answer is the Bengals. Yeah, with the, the but young that's offensive. But so court. honestly, it's so skill skill position mm-hmm. 
But those guys are young. I mean, Higgins, Chase, and Burrow are young. Right. Same with the Eagles. They got a young core as well with Smith, Brown, and uh, Hertz. Yeah, I wonder about Hertz's health long term. Sure. So um, I'll go Bengals. All right. Fair enough. And then, as always, with the final question of the six shooter, favorite bet of the NFL wild card weekend. Well, I base this solely on my Action Network uh, research, and I don't necessarily f- jump up and down about it, but that would tell me it's the Giants. Yeah, I'm the same way. I oh, like really? it. I really but like. We're the basing Giants. it on the same formula, right? What but, do I like personally? Which means it probably won't cover. I like the Buccaneers, and I like the Chargers. There we go. Um, of course, we have a bet. I am on the Jags. You are on the Chargers. Do you want to Venmo me the twenty now, just to save you the pain of doing it late <laughs> at night on Saturday when I'm already popped up on pills and watching Curb Your Enthusiasm and giggling to myself? No, I think that'll be the nice little cherry on top for your uh, oh, Saturday nice. evening. Thank you so I much. I want to have that for you. Uh, I'll, I'll add to the six-shooter. Uh, reaction to Matt Holiday resigning? I, I think it's a case of his eyes were too big for his stomach in a sense where, you know, when he took the job, he was, like, really excited about it. And then you think more and more about it, especially around the holidays and stuff. You're like, I just want to be with, not no pun intended there, uh, I just want to be with my family for this time. And the grind of a baseball season, which he's well aware of, isn't something he's looking for at this moment. And I totally respect that. My, my honest answer is I understand why plenty of people are going... Well, that's strange because he had to have known what he was choosing when he said he was excited about the opportunity. He's done this before. He's been on the road going back, whatever, 20 years. Um, so I understand there are there is a healthy number of people who are skeptical as to what he is saying. Furthermore, you've had Jeff Albert who wasn't popular by any means with a lot of Cardinal fans leave saying he didn't like the criticism he got in St. Louis. And so he went to the small town of New York. Uh, and then Mike Maddox uh, and John Mazalock saying that um, he wanted to get away from the grind of the daily work that is a pitching coach. And then he became the pitching coach with the Rangers, albeit uh, he is a a Dallas or close to Dallas resident. So, you know, so I understand that. And I I think it's my bigger, my honest answer is I don't know. Right. That's the real answer. I think the fact that it is debated as to whether or not a guy who made $159 million wants to spend more time with his family speaks to, let me put it this way. If Craig McTavish, I didn't realize Craig McTavish didn't make the money that, Matt Holiday did. But if he said, I'm stepping away, I'm, I'm just trying to draw a parallel. And it's I, Steve Ott. Steve Ott made sure, money. Sure. If I, he's stepping away, even though it's clear Steve Ott wants to become a head coach. McTavish was head coach. I don't think, and then said it's because I want to spend time with my family. I don't think people would go, oh, I don't believe it. And what I'm trying to communicate, and I think I'm doing it effectively just because I'm, I'm so talented, right. is there is a trust issue between a lot of Cardinal fans and the Cardinal organization right now. That's what I'm trying to say. It would make all the sense in the world, to me, for Matt Holiday, to say, yeah, God, I'm, I'm going to be going down to Jupiter. They used to live right next to Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Fowler in Jupiter. And now I'm going to be away from my family for the next at least seven months, probably eight months. That's just not what I want. Sure. That's not what I want. But at the same time, he would have known that in November. So I don't know. But maybe it just hit home. I don't know. But then there are plenty who go, no, no. Look, Maddox left. Albert left. You had the debacle in the playoffs. Mazalek's sitting there saying they're going to increase payroll. They go out and get one guy. They lose Quintana. 
Holiday might be going, this team isn't going to do it. I don't want to do it. So there's these theories that go along with it. And I don't necessarily think 12 years ago you would have had the theories being applied to something that on its face has all the logic in the world. Right. I never understood candidly like a guy like Edmonds who made as much money as he did that he's on the road as much as he has been calling baseball games. Mm-hmm. Um but that's what that's you know as, as Jim has told me before he goes you know sometimes what people don't realize is and we can't say it because it could come off the wrong way is we've been competing all our lives and mo- a lot of the players who get to play into their late thirties have therefore made a large amount of money because they were making it from their mid twenties for a decade and in this point now that's going to get you up into the you know seventy plus million dollar range in Major League Baseball we're bored. And we need to do something because sure. it's not like you're like, oh, I'll shut it down and, you know, just sit around. Yeah. But Holiday has younger children. I mean, they're not babies, but they're younger. And so it would make sense. The thing is, from a Cardinal fan perspective, is you go, okay, that's Maddox. That's Albert. Now it's Holiday. Guy was really excited about helping in um, uh, Ali Marmol on the, on the bench. Lost Skip Schumacher. That's and, and I'm not saying the Skip Schumacher one is right, in the same right, category. Right, right. You got to go be a manager, but no that that's what I'm saying is the fact that people just there's there's theories. And I had a bunch of people yesterday texting, "Hey, what do you think the real reason is?" I, go, I my honest answer is I have no idea. Yeah, I, I can take it on the face value because it would make all the sense in the world. Yeah. Do you think that people speculating on the root of the issue outside of what Holiday said are thinking it's a front office issue or a marmol issue? Front office. Okay. Without. Yeah, with damn near absolute. Okay, that that that's the thing. Yeah, John Mazalak, right or wrong, by the way, and I think on the outside of St. Louis, like when Amsinger comes on with Randy Carricker and Kerry Davis and Matt Rocchio, just like laughs about the way Cardinal fans look at John Mazalak because he goes around baseball. Look at what what he's done, but in St. Louis, we've talked about approval ratings. His yeah. approval rating is super low. And I always say, with regards to that, John Mazalak is not, you know, running the White House, so to speak. You know, there's a guy above him. No doubt. But it's Mazalak who gets the, and I guess it's because Mazalak does the interviews, and he also talks in a way that I think for a lot of St. Louisans doesn't really vibe well. Right, rubs in the wrong way. And so it's just like, oh, it's got to be Mazalak, it's got to be Mazalak. And hell, I don't know. I'm not saying that it's not, but I just don't default click to that position because a guy who made $160 million goes, you know what? I don't want to do this. I don't really want to go to Milwaukee and Pittsburgh a bunch. I, I, I'm yeah, going to hang out with my family. Right. The, but at like the same I, time, I don't know because I get it. Maddox now, he wants to he's done with the grind of being a pitching coach and traveling, except he's now the Rangers <laughs> pitching coach. And Albert, yeah, he didn't like the criticism he got in St. Louis. Oh, well, it's going to be low-key. Where? The Mets. <laughs> uh, all right, Jeremy Rutherford's going to join us in the next segment. This is Balloon Party, presented by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. It is our pleasure to welcome to the program friend of the show. Dare I say fan of the show? Ooh, I think that would be right. 
Uh, he is in Calgary again. Jeremy Rutherford. Morning, JR. Morning, morning. I am not a fan of the show. I am not a fan of the show. I'm a super fan of the show. Oh! Yes, he just yes, spoke for yes, millions yes. of St. Louisans. Yes. Millions. And why back to Calgary? You know, I just I don't know when the Blues are going to come back up here again, but I'm just going to wait for them. Yep, you know, that's, I think that's the smart way to handle scout it. Scout out the location. Make sure everything's right. And then you're going to deliver yeah. a great article about it. Yep. Yeah, forget the yeah. fact that there's still five home games left on the homestand. Inevitably, they'll be back <laughs> yeah. at some point. Home game, schmome game. Thank you. Hey, uh, they got some poutine up here. I'll just chow down on the poutine. Oh, boy, have fun. Uh, your, your questions, your comments, your thoughts for Jeremy Rutherford. Uh, we are off on Monday. Uh, that's going to disappoint a lot of people, but we are off on Monday, so JR is joining us. Day and your questions are welcome. Air Comfort Service text line 314 399 9646. 314 399 9646. You can send those in. Uh, compare and contrast the festivities we saw on Tuesday against the Flames with the festivities we saw that didn't quite work out last night against the Flames. Yeah, well, I think the first couple periods against uh, Calgary on Tuesday night you know, weren't great. It was a uh, third period effort, I think, uh, that the Blues came back and Made a couple good plays and got got back on the board. And, and then, uh, of course, uh, Kyra and Thomas doing their magic in overtime. Uh, but then you look at last night's game, and it's a tight game throughout uh, the early going. And the Blues get that game-tying goal in the third period, Tim. But I just think that too much, Craig Bruby said it after the game, too much one and done, not much possession time in the offensive zone. And then, of course, the uh, the two turnovers. I really liked Calgary's forechecking last night. They were just all over it. It led to a couple goals forced the Blues into a couple mistakes, even though some were self-inflicted. But uh, a really good effort by Calgary last night, and and, uh, they split the series. And specific to what you saw from the Blues, I mean, it was sitting there for the taking, and then it got away from them in the third period. Um, anything, you know, I was I was listening to Craig Berube after the game. Anything, in, in your opinion, as you were watching it, okay, well, that's that's where they got them, and that's where the Blues made a mistake. What did you, you see in the third? Well, I, I, you know, I agree with Craig Berube that uh, those are two mistakes, the turnovers, one by Thomas and one by Falk, that yeah. can't happen. You know, Thomas is sitting there with the puck on his stick and throws it up the middle, and he was on with Randy and Kerry earlier today and took ownership of that mistake and said that he had tried to send that pass uh, – where he had put it many times throughout that game and, and where he does a lot of times and usually connects and didn't last night. Um, but he said, hey, my bad. But then, you know, Justin Falk, same thing, uh, puts it in the middle at the turnover. But if you rewind that video right there, it's a strong forecheck by Calgary that knocks Achari off the puck and, and forces Falk to play it, and then he makes the turnover. So I think we got to give some credit to Calgary, but I think by and large uh, a couple key mistakes that the Blues just can't make. Jeremy Rutherford with us here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. And you are welcome to give your questions, your comments, your thoughts uh, by texting in 314-399-9646. I was reading an article about the the thoughts at the, the midseason point, and uh, one of the, the thoughts is that it might not necessarily be as many fireworks as people think. This is across the league, not Blues-specific, because teams are up against the cap. Teams don't necessarily have the draft capital that other teams 
would want, and I realize we still have some time between now and the trade deadline, but certainly for Blues fans, this weird balance of going, okay, is the team in the playoff mix or is the team going to be making some, relatively speaking, significant sales moves here when the trade deadline rolls around, people are paying attention to that part of it. How do you analyze what you think the landscape will be, JR, overall for the NHL and the trade deadline? Because obviously that then impacts the Blues and the potential return they get. Yeah, you want to sit here and say that the Blues are in a situation where they're going to need to sell. I think we've been talking about that for a couple weeks. You kind of get excited when they win a few games. Then you see, you know, last night some of the same mistakes, and then you start to think they're playing a lot of young guys. And even though a couple of them have played pretty well, uh, you know, it's going to catch up to them at some point. So you start to think sell. You start to think O'Reilly, Tarasenko. But I think what you touched on, that there might not be as many fireworks around the league potentially, is due to the fact that it's just so hard to move some of these guys. You know, Doug Armstrong, I think, would have done some things last year, but it's kind of hard to move the money. So can you move the money in season? That's even tougher than doing it in the off season. Um, now, I look at uh, the, the two Blues players, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, you can throw Barbashev in there. I think teams are going to want them. And I think that uh, you can move draft picks if that's indeed what the Blues want. So I still think those types of deals are feasible. But on the other end, they're going to be taking on big salaries. And so will the Blues be willing to retain some of that salary? We'll see as we get closer to the deadline. Uh, I have been asked to address the elephant in the room with J.R. Pareko. He's awful. That's all it says, but that's what that, I just read what's in the teleprompter. That's all the text says. It doesn't say anymore. Address the elephant in the room with J.R. Pareko, period. He's awful, period. That's from the 217. That's up Quincy well, Way, Springfield Way? Yeah. Thank you. This question from uh, the Springfield Quincy Way uh, comes at a time after last night's game when he actually played pretty well. But yeah, you you look at the the, the big picture, and he uh, he definitely has you know struggled. He has not played to the level that the Blues need him to play at. Doug Armstrong said the other day. I realize it's kind of a cliche thing for a GM to say that that yeah, Colton Preco hasn't played up to the standards that you hope. So I, I think that it is what it is. I don't think we're going to turn around in two weeks or two months or next season and say, wow, has he turned it around? I think when you sign him to that contract, knowing what he is, knowing that he isn't that true 1A guy, but you're going to get by with a defense that has three or four guys in the top four that you know can come together and maybe get the job done for you, that, that's just what it is. So there just aren't true number one defensemen floating around everywhere in the NHL. The Blues had one. Um, he did get away in Alex Petrangelo, and, and now they're left to move forward with the guy that they felt like could get the job done in his place. Uh, do you feel like the Blues are relying on goaltending too much, giving up a ton of shots, even in games they win? We we saw that on Sunday in Minnesota. Uh, they won it. Last night in the early going, the Flames were all over the place with uh, shots on goal despite no score in the first period. Uh, your opinion on that and then the thoughts of the Blues on that? Yeah, a ton of shots. Like, Thomas Grice should just be ready for 50, and if it's any less than that, he's just shocked, right? Like, that's what – I mean, they had 25 by 30-minute mark and, and uh, didn't get quite to 50, but uh, still pretty amazing. You know, you, you got a defensive unit out there that's missing a lot of key guys, and so you got a couple uh, minor leaguers in there. I think it's a little bit to be expected, but that was the case, especially with Grice and that, even before all these injuries, right? So I think that that's what the Blues – are, are facing. I, I don't think that you're going to watch a Blues team this year that's going to give up 18, 20 shots a game. It's just how it goes. Are they relying too much on the goalies? I mean, they almost have to, right? And, 
And fortunately for the Blues, that's probably been the best part of their game all season, Bennington and, and Grace for most part of the year. So, yes, they are relying on it too much, but I don't think they have any other choice. Blues tomorrow taking on the Lightning, Patty Maroon, and the boys back in St. Louis. Uh, have they been back since Maroon left? Logic would dictate yes, but for whatever reason, I'm not, it's not standing out to me. Is Maroon yeah, at least once, once? because uh, I know Maroon was on the ice and got his uh, Stanley that's Cup. Right, that's right, that's right, that's yeah. right, that's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, he'll be back in town. I'm sure he'll get to see uh, family. I saw his pops a couple weeks ago sipping on a, we were sipping on a cold one. So great family, and uh, they are just soaking up these past few years, and I know it'll be nice for uh, Patty to get back home and see some of these Blues players. Indeed. Uh, Pat Maroon and the Lightning taking on the Blues tomorrow night. And you can catch pregame right here on 101 ESPN at 6 p.m. Blues and Lightning. JR, always appreciate the time. Enjoy your uh, weekend in Calgary. Yep, have a good weekend. It's a little bit cold up here, but uh, tell St. Louis I said hi, and thanks for uh, telling me to come up here, Jax. Good job. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, they don't play uh, Calgary yet another time this season, but just hang out there and wait till next year. <laughs> yeah. My first summer in Calgary. Yeah, <laughs> summers are nice in Calgary. They really are. Jeremy Rutherford, for live from Calgary. <laughs> See ya. Thanks, uh, Here on... Uh... Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis, Acura, and Alton Toyota. Your questions, your comments, they're all welcome. Air Comfort Service, text line 314-399-9646. And you're welcome to leave a mic drop via the 101 ESPN app. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. We'll take a break. Come back with more Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN, driven by Munganas, St. Louis, Acura, and Alton Toyota. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. 19 more minutes in the program, then it's a three-day weekend for us. And my, my sources tell me, I believe this is the first story I've broken since... Uh, about 1999 with Kareem Rush deciding to come to Columbia, Missouri. So I do this once every quarter century. Uh, BK and Ferrari are filling in for us on Monday. How about that? Yep. Yeah, that's very thank – thank you to them. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Great to hear. And TMA is going to Jamaica. Yep. Uh, two weeks from tomorrow. And, uh, and that means we will not be doing balloon party that week. But maybe you and I could just get some reps in – and do like our own balloon party, right? From but like tropical takes. Oh, you know, like with boat drinks and such. Right, like this coconut puree is just—it's—it's got to be chopped finer. I don't like oh, chunks you're, you're, of coconut. It sounds like you're gonna do a very Ledoux thing and scold the help. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'll be uh, like White Lotus. It's a second White Lotus reference on the program, and that's not gonna play well with the audience. I'm just telling you, audience doesn't like White Lotus. I'm past the point of no return with the audience. <laughs> If you like me, you like me. If you don't, you don't. There's no change in anyone's mind. Wow. Which is, I, I actually Line think... in the sand here. Just a sudden line in the sand. What was... Well, candidly, I had this in my notes in the show prep meeting. Right, right, right. 1042 frolic. <laughs> I had vamp, but uh, I'm glad we we're on the same page. It uh, just turned It turned bitter as the day is long. All right, I've got a list of questions here from uh, Action Jackson. You tell me what you think your best one is. Uh, trends of sports media... Uh, MLB bagging $10.8 billion in revenue. And if I were a coach in the NFL and was weighing my options on where to go next season, many coaching spots are open up, how would you go about it? Which one do you want to go with? Hmm. You know your questions. 
you select. It's a Sadie Hawkins. It's a Friday Sadie Hawkins here on 101 ESPN. ESPN. I like that a lot. Uh, I kind of, We even had a good sports media discussion a little bit, so right. I want to get into the sports All media right, stuff. Here we go. Uh, based on the trends in the history of the medium, where do you think sports media is heading in the next five to ten years? Do you think we will see improvements in, reliab- in reliability of media members? Take a guess where I am on that. <laughs> do you think relationships between athletes, coaches, and the media will improve? Take a guess where I am on that. <laughs> And how do you think the oncoming wave of streaming sports will affect both the product and the general audience's reception of the product? All right, let's start with the questions. It's rapid fire with Jackson here. Uh, where do I think sports media is heading in the next five to ten years? Surprisingly, I don't feel like there is a decrease in the number of people wanting to get into it. As a matter of fact, I think more people are into it, but not necessarily majoring in it or focusing education, like broadcast center or something like that on it, Um, which is probably the best way to do it because then that way you can can actually have a real career with a fallback. Right, and kind of break the mold too. That that would be the best way to go about it Um, because I see it now and I feel like more people are doing it now, understandably, because there's more outlets. Sure. I don't know if the I would guess though that the median salary salary isn't good media median compensation package because salary is one thing compensation package another um, is lower because the supply of potential on air and right. on air would include podcasts yeah. and streaming yep. is lower. Furthermore, do we include podcasts where people are just doing it as a hobby and have no monetization strategy? Nor, and I'm not mocking that, nor do they care because it's a hobby. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. So I just, I would always say to anybody who's looking to get into this, just, just have a plan B. And I and I do mean that sincerely because whether it be somebody who's right now 21 listening to this or somebody who's 50 and they have a, a, a son or daughter who's looking to get into it, it's it's really an important thing to, to note. Um, your second question, um, do I think we'll see improvements in reliability? No, and I'm not saying this mocking or facetiously, but in, until there's actual accountability for being wrong and or being for lack of better term, um, mean with malice and damaging reputation. So not just wrong in the sense that something is reported that does not happen or did not happen, but that that there is a penalty, and certainly there are laws, slander and libel, for speaking or writing something that is defamatory with malicious intent. It's awful difficult to prove malicious intent. So many public figures don't pursue these slander or libel suits. But nonetheless... The first time I saw it happen, relatively speaking, in recent history is with Doug Gottlieb and his Freddie Freeman agent thing. And I loved, loved, I had nothing for or against Doug Gottlieb. I I don't have a big opinion one way or the other. Don't really, don't listen, don't know. (laughs) I I remember him as a point guard at Oklahoma State. That's what I really remember. I know he does media stuff. But if you say something that is damaging to somebody's reputation... And you're wrong. I think you should be accountable. I, I should be accountable if I were to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's it. So that that to me is one of the things that social media breeds, um, and that therefore 
decreases the reliability of media members. I think the general public right now is skeptical of, skeptical of media members who are even telling the truth. Right. I mean, look at the Matt Holiday thing, just yeah. something as simple as that. Right. Um, do you think relationships between athletes and coaches and the media will improve? No, but that's not necessarily because the people are digging into trenches. It's because there really is no privacy. And at any moment, something that could be thought of a moment that was private, somebody could be holding up a phone and it's it's public. Yeah. Uh, one of the more revealing moments, I think, in that public versus private, what's right and what's wrong, we'll be celebrating 25 years of it. Holy crap, that just hit me. McGuire's uh, home run chase and the Andro that a reporter didn't just like see sitting out, but saw in his locker right, and reported on it. Well, is that right or is that wrong? And that was a, that was a, that was a very slight debate in 1998 relative to what the story was. The story got a lot more attention, but it still fell in the background of the, of the home run trade chase. Um, and now I think, I think athletes in particular coaches also who warn their players feel like there is zero privacy and you can trust no one because even if someone isn't a paid reporter or anchor or writer, they have a platform with social media and then therefore the ability to even watch a practice now uh-huh. is talked about as something like of the days of the, the covered wagon. Uh, but it actually did exist. Sure. But we'll talk to Gabe DeArm and he's like, well, as you know, I can't see practice, so I, I don't really know. So and then that's not a University of Missouri thing. My point being, you used to be able to do this. You used to be able to be at Rams Park. But then Mike Martz got paranoid and he started building or having plant trees to block a hotel that was across from Rams Park. Um, I think COVID will be used as an excuse to reduce accessibility. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking about COVID setting the precedent now because people are focused on COVID now. So I think it just in order to truly create a relationship that then leads to trust you have to have some semblance of a foundation of that relationship and the only way to do that is to communicate away from microphones and create that trust and i think those opportunities are reduced by the current set of circumstances which by the way i understand yes jackson you're moving your pen and i feel like you want to say something yeah i have a point on this i uh, okay i think that we've seen a wave really over the last year of athletes kind of starting their own podcast And I think that's a way, in a sense, to kind of create their own narrative and speak on it directly, get primary source. And you know what I find there? I find most people don't listen to those because they don't believe them. They feel like they're framing their own thing. Mm. And I understand where people come from with that, but I think that it'll get more like less speculation out there of what people's situations are if the the players take it in their own hands to kind of create their narratives. And I think that might... result in a better relationship with the media and the players if they're reporting and asking questions based on their own words as opposed to words of others. Right. So I think that could maybe, if I'm trying to speculate, any kind of improvement with the relationship with coaches, players, and the media. But but in that case, the coaches and players are doing their own thing. Like sure. Tom Brady does a podcast. He does it with Jim Gray, who he handpicked. Right, right. You know, I mean, it, this started with politicians handpicking what networks or whoever would handle their interviews. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand it. I also don't think a press conference is the place to really get optimal no. answers. Right. But I do think sitting down with somebody, even if they don't necessarily share your views in a one-on-one format, is an optimal way to communicate. Whether that person is speaking to people, I'm speaking more politically, who would support you normally or not. 
Um, I think that's the better. A press conference is a tough way. I don't care what you're talking about. I'd be talking about this nitwit hour and fielding <laughs> questions, and I'd be like, oh, well, it's a good point. I don't know what the hell we're doing. Oh, God. You know, so it's a different set of circumstances. But if you're hand-picking who's asking you the questions, the public goes, well, I don't really it's, – it's like a filtered show. It's prepackaged. I'm not getting honesty. I want honesty. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, all right. It's a 10, it's, what is it? 1130. It's 10.51. We got a break. It's a bloom party. Driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, uh, here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Final segment of Balloon Party presented by Munganest, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Jackson has a look on his face right now, like with with disdain. What happened? Did you just read that Florida's like a four point favorite or something, or what's going on? No, no, that wouldn't get me too upset. Uh, I didn't like that uh, comeback music. It wasn't for me. I, I I thought I picked the right one. And it was the wrong one. And oh, so you're upset at yourself? Yeah, and you going into the weekend with that? It's the wrong energy. So you're going to be off. up all night now thinking about yeah, that. tossing and also turning. You have a little news for us. I do. A little news break here from uh, Robert Murray, writes for Fansided, says uh, Jordan Montgomery and the Cardinals settle at ten million dollars, avoiding arbitration. How about that? Yeah, there that's good. Is. That's good to hear. So Jordan Montgomery and the Cardinals uh, avoid arbitration, and that locks him in for ten million dollars for the 2023 season. Uh, any other news and notes as we are short on time, just really bad time management by you again? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go see Butler and Villanova tonight. So You're heading to Indianapolis. Heading to Indianapolis right after the show. you're going to watch the Pacers? Pacers and Grizzlies. and Grizzlies on Saturday and tonight we got uh, Bull, uh, Butler Bulldogs versus the Villanova Wildcats. So. Norman Dales Arena. Hinkle, my brother said he might bring a tape measure so he can make sure that they're 10 feet just like back in Hickory. Oh my god. Yeah. You're going to be emotional. I, my, this is my, your dream weekend. It's going to be really, really great. And it's, I want to do it with my brother. It's uh, His birthday was Wednesday, and so this is like a little birthday you. trip. Look at so you. Really looking forward to Look it. Look at you. You're yeah. all grown up, and you're all grown up. Yeah, that brings the right energy into the weekend. There it is. Now you're now you're going in. Yep. Now you're going into the weekend the way you went. Well, I wanted to. Well, safe travels to you Thanks, and sir. to uh, your brother as you head to Indianapolis for a basketball weekend. Uh, to all of our wonderful listeners, enjoy your weekend. And we will be back on Tuesday with Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.